All right, I want to welcome everybody today. We are going to be in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. So uh, I just find uh, just uh, I want to welcome everybody and and uh, say it's good to be back. Glad uh, I was out last week. I went on a hunting trip that uh, ended up being a, a pretty good plane ride, but uh, but but the weather turned really bad, so we didn't we we weren't able to stay. But uh, <clears throat> but it was a great time, and um, I saw the biggest moose I've ever seen in my life, and I left it. So it, it's uh, I don't know. It, it uh, it's one of those things I'll think about for a while. Anyway, um, it's 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 been good. It was a good time to spend with good friends and and so forth. So anyway, in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, Paul writes, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So... I want to look first off, when I look at this passage and, and, and read it, I see that Paul, he is, he is putting Jesus first. He's putting the gospel first. I mean, this is, this is first and foremost for him. As you come into 1 Corinthians and, and you come in here in, in this passage, he's, he's saying, this is what I do. That's the first and the last thing that I see actually in, in this paragraph. The first thing is, is that he, his goal is to win people to Christ, to lead people people to Christ, to bring people to faith, to influence people, to use his life in, in every aspect, in every way, everything that he does, to do it in such a way that people are drawn to Jesus, that they see Jesus, and, and they come there. And, and he wraps it up, the last sentence is, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. The gospel, that's the good news of Jesus. That is, God became a man. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave, and, and he promises to return. So that is, the, that is the gospel message in its essence in a nutshell. And he says, I do it because of that so that I may share with them in its blessing, so that not only that he can win people, but so that they can be together in, in community together and share the blessings of knowing Jesus. That's that's where it's all coming down to. And, and as we come in, we look at the gospel. The gospel it, it sets us free from sin and death. Um, the gospel sets us free. From that, in Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law in, of sin and death. So as we come in there, we have been set free through, through the gospel, through Jesus, through life in the Spirit as He redeems us. It's a freedom as we come in here and, and we look at this, that this freedom, for Paul says, though I am free from all, 
I've made myself servant to all. So as he talks about his freedom, he's talking about this freedom that he has, and it's a freedom that supersedes everything else. It supersedes all freedoms that we have. It's, it's, it's a freedom that can't be taken away. It's a freedom. It doesn't matter whether you live in a free country or you live in the most oppressive place in the, in the world. This is a freedom that no human being can take from you. It's a freedom that no one can remove. In John 10, 27, Um, Jesus said my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand I and the father are one it's a freedom that can't be taken away Jesus says when people come to me it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside it doesn't matter how hard the oppression gets none of that matters when you belong to me you belong to me you cannot be taken from me I hold you in my hand that's good news I mean that's great news because we know ourselves right we know our hearts we know our nature we know that we are prone to wander but Jesus said you know what when you come to me I'm going to work in you I'm going to change you I'm going to fundamentally give you a new heart I'm going to remove the condemnation that you've um, felt in, in, in the condemnation of sin and I'm giving you a new life because you have been set free and Jesus said no one can take you out of my hand no one can take you out of the father's hand you belong to me it's a it's a very simple part of the message of Jesus the message of the gospel it's a freedom that gives life beyond our imagination it's not just a freedom that 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 comes in there but it's it gives us freedom that we can't even comprehend in John 10 10 Jesus said the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly or as Paul writes now to him is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think and in other words it is a gift that is given to us a freedom that is given to us that no one can take away it's a freedom that gives us abundance when we put Jesus first when we put the gospel first this is something that can't be removed it's a freedom that comes through redemption and restoration it's not a freedom that we earn it's it's a freedom that Jesus came to give to us and and he has restored us Jesus in John 8 31 and 32 Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To abide means to live in, to remain in, to stay there, to to be there, and and this is where we come. It goes back to that thing that Jesus said, no one can snatch them out of our hand, out of my hand or my Father's hand, that when we come to him, we live in him, and we are called to abide in his word, to live in that, and as we do that, we have a freedom. We have been redeemed, and we are being restored and made like him knowing Jesus drives us to put him first in our lives um and that's seen practically through actions as as Roy spoke last week in in uh, James 1 he talked about it, he said don't just be hearers of the word be doers it's it's not hearers who are changed but hearing something does not change you another way of putting it Hearing the moose from 125 yards did not put him in my freezer. And it didn't put the biggest set of 
horns I've ever seen in my life on the wall. It, it just doesn't do it. It takes action. We have to apply. If, if you can sit and hear and know and, and, and all the details, all the facts, everything in the world, but until you put it into action, it makes no difference. It makes no difference. It's the doers who have been changed. We're not changed by doing, but doing reflects that we have been changed. We, we don't earn our way into heaven. We don't do our way in, into the good graces of God or, or into receiving salvation. We don't do it. We hear it and we respond. God gives us the ability to believe him and to follow him. So in Galatians 5.1, it says, For freedom... Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, so that I might win more of them. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm putting Jesus first. And he says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, for the freedom that we have in Christ that I may share with them in its blessing. You see, our freedom in Christ is beyond anything this world offers. It's beyond anything that we could imagine. And it should fundamentally change the way that we think. It should change the way that we live. It should change the way that we view the people around us. And it should change the way that we act unless we want to be enslaved by sin and not experience the freedom that is ours. You see, Paul, he, he wrote to the church in Galatia, he said, look, you, you're about to go into a life that's run by rules of men and regulations rather than the Spirit of God. You need to submit to the Spirit of God. You need to submit to Jesus and not try to live it out in a legalistic way, but instead live it out according to the Word of God. And otherwise, you're, going to just, you're just going to be a slave. You're going to be a slave to the things of the world. Even as someone who knows Jesus, you're not going to experience the blessings of it. You're not going to experience the joy that comes from it. You're going to have this stuff basically quenched. You see, the gospel is a message of hope. It's a message that we have in Jesus, and it encompasses all of life. And, and so as we look at the passage, I mean, first and foremost, it just says, put Jesus first. Put Jesus first. Put the gospel message first. Put the, the plans and purposes of God above everything else. And then the next thing is to serve others. And, and that's what, you know, as we come in this month, get in the game, get in the game, join a team, be a part of what God is doing. As we do that, that means that we jump in and use our gifts and abilities to serve, to serve others. Um, and, and that we join together with others to grow in our faith. Um, so Paul, he comes in, he says, I'm free. And then he juxtaposes that against being a slave for all. He said, I'm free, but I made myself a slave to all. Servant, slave, it's the same word. Um, and, and, and we translate it out, but he says, I've become a slave to everyone. And a slave is the lowest of positions. And, and Paul says, because I'm free, I'm choosing to give it up. 
to reach others. I am giving up my freedom. I am choosing to do things that I don't have to do so that I can reach others. It's completely upside down. It, culturally, it's completely upside down. Nobody in that world would say, I'm going I'm to make myself a slave. I mean, it'd be, it'd be like us today saying, you know, I think I want to be a slave. Nobody in the room's ready for that, right? I mean, that, that's just not the way that we do it. But this is what he is saying. Now, here's, here's, here's an example of it. In 1731, there was a group of people called the Moravians. They were in a place called Hernhut, and, and um, the leader of this was a, a guy named Count Zinzendorf in, in, of this community. And so in this community, they, they had an African slave came in who had, who had escaped from this uh, from the Danish West Indies, he was a slave, and he began to describe the horrible conditions under which he lived. And as he described that, they wanted to send missionaries to this place, but the owner would not allow missionaries to come. We will, I will not, I don't want Christianity coming in here. I don't want any of this. So some of these, a couple of these Moravians, they, as, as Zinzendorf began to, to share about their plight and so forth, two of the Moravians volunteered to sell themselves as slaves so that they could go live among these people and share the gospel. And that, that's, that's insane. I mean, that, that's that's. That's, that is at the height of loving others. So for the next 18 months, they gave themselves fully to the mission, fully. But they managed only to gain one convert, 18 months, one convert. That's a long time to live among people who are slaves and share Jesus. But then 17 more came to them in, uh, in 1734, 17 more people came over. And so they, they began to stay there, but eight of those people died of yellow fever, um, and 11 more came the following February, four of them dying within two months. Um, you're getting the theme that missions in the 1700s was a pretty dangerous thing. Um, many of them died as they went to foreign places. But um, in 1735, most of them were, were forced to return to Hernhut. So they come back, and then in 1736... And, and as they came back, by the way, three of them died in a shipwreck. So, so then you come in and you go, man, this is just getting worse and worse and worse. So anyway, over this period of time, these people empty themselves out. They gave up their freedom for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel. And they planted seeds for a revival in that place. In 1736, Zinzendorf decided he'd go over there and see um, what, what, what happened. And he really expected to see nothing. He expected to go over there and, and basically see the tragedy that, that had seemingly played out as these people gave themselves up. They poured themselves out for others. He discovered a church of 800 people that had heard the good news from these Moravian missionaries. You see, the gospel is not without power. The message is 
beyond imagination. And, and as you come in here, this is what Paul is saying. He said, well, look, I, I gave up. I gave up my freedoms. I gave up my pleasures. I gave up my rights. And I made Jesus my everything. He became my pleasure. He became my joy. He became my focus. He is my everything. That's really, when, when you come into here, this is, this is really, if you want to boil the passage down to its very essence, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, the most important thing for me, the most important thing for me is Jesus. My greatest joy will be found in him. My greatest joy is only available in him. My greatest joy will be realized when I understand who he is and what he put me here for. He comes and brings it down to that. And, and then, then he says, so therefore, I'm putting everything in this world behind me and I'm looking forward to what he has before me. Just like Jesus said, he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That, that's the story of Jesus. Jesus said, I did not come to be served. Talked about that a couple of weeks. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. The God of all creation, he said, I didn't come here so that you could serve me on this earth. I came here to serve you and to give my life for you so that you could be redeemed and restored. It's the theme of suffering and sacrifice. So this, this is the picture we come in in the New Testament and we look at the, at the Scriptures, and that is the picture of Jesus. Remember Revelation chapter 5 and Revelations cha Revelation chapters 4 and 5? As you come in to chapters 4 and 5, you see the throne room of God and you begin to see everything that's happening there in, in, in what we would describe as the most holy place. And in there, you see the picture of the elders and, and you see the living creatures and you see the throne and you see the myriads of worshipers around it. And then all of a sudden in chapter five, something amazing happens. John sees Jesus. And he says, in between the throne and the four living creatures among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. You know, we, we look at the book of Revelation and we see Jesus, the lion who is coming back on a white horse to conquer. That, that's, that's what, that is the first picture that probably, if, if any of you said, describe what happens in Revelation, you're going to say Jesus wins. And, and, and that's not a bad answer. I'm not saying it's wrong. But the way he's described throughout the book is as a lamb who has been slain because he is a picture of suffering and sacrifice. You see, Jesus changed everything, and that's how he did it. He did it by serving. He did it by giving of himself. He served, and therefore we serve. Paul said he became a servant of all, just like Jesus here. He said to the Jews, I became as a Jew, in order to win the Jews, to, uh, to those under law, I became as those under law, that I might win those under the law, to those outside the law, I, uh, to the, I, I became as those outside the law, to, to the weak, I became weak, and, and, and so forth. And he said, I just did it all. I'm, I'm culturally comfortable going anywhere 
to win people to Christ. And, and he did it so that they could be redeemed and restored. And, and, and so that when we're serving others, when we come in here and when we look at this and we look at the life of Paul in, in the letters that he writes and in his missionary journeys, what we see is we see a man who is following Jesus. And, he's saying, and, and he is saying to us, come follow me as I follow Christ. He's saying, I want to show you what this looks like. And, and as we are serving others, we're emulating Jesus and we're serving him. When I serve someone else, I'm literally serving Jesus. That's what, that's, this is what he says in Matthew 25, 40. He says, and the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it unto one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Um, you, know, you know, the story where, where he has the people there and he says, hey, you, when I was sick, you didn't feed me. When I, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was in prison, you didn't come visit me. And, and they said, well, Lord, when did we see you thirsty or hungry or in prison? He said, when you failed to do it unto the least of these, you failed to do it to me. And he said, go, you're cast into the outer darkness. And then he had the other ones, he says, you come over here. And they said, well, Lord, when, when did we feed you? When did we do this? He said, when you did it for others, you did it for me. So he's got this, this, this theme coming in of, of serving. And as we see this, we come in there. So the Jesus way of life is totally counterculture Today, it's totally counter to our culture today to give up our freedoms, to give up our privileges, to give up our rights to serve others. That's, that's not, that, that's, it's beyond, quote, giving back. You know, that's, that's the phrase of the day is like, well, give back. Well, giving back is, is not sacrificial. It's giving a little. It's not giving everything. It's just giving some back. But the gospel is give it all. It's give it all. Because Jesus did. And it's not just counter to our culture. It was counter to Jesus' culture. Look, people haven't changed. They haven't changed in 2,000 years. They haven't changed in 4,000 years or 10,000 years or however many years we've been here. People have not changed. But the Jesus way of life is to drive everything that we do. And as we follow him, what Paul says, we'll be partakers in the blessings of the gospel. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel so that, in order that. That word, that, so that, or, or however it's phrased in your Bible, it, it translates out a word that says, this is why. This is why. This is why. This is the why. The why is so that I may share with them and its blessings, so that ultimately we may share with others in the blessings of the gospel. We share in this life, we will share in eternity to come as we worship around that great throne, as we are in the new heaven and the new earth, as we serve and we live and, and, and we do what God has made us to do. Ultimately, this is where it all comes out. So as, as we come in, we become partakers of the blessings of the gospel. So we, we look at, you know, the ways that we serve and, and we've had, we have many, many examples here. You could come in and you could look at people serving and in various different ways, taking meals to people, um, being there when people need someone to visit them, uh, people who go... When you could go to the hospital and visit, they would go visit people in the hospital. Um, I think you can do that again now, finally. But, um, but, but anyway, 
various different different ministries that people are involved in. And another one would be, um, a quick example would be the large number of people who volunteered to serve in children's Sunday school. Look, it's doing for others instead of looking after your own interests. Um, it, it's an interesting part with the large number of people, the large number of people who have done this at least once, it's, it's, um, it's huge. It'd probably be half the people, half the adults and in, in youth who are in our church. Uh, but, uh, but the interesting part is how many people mentioned the blessing that it was. You know, it was a blessing to be there. I've had people say, you know what? I was scared to death, but I loved being around those kids. Or I loved what I received from doing. And <clears throat> that would be the same way as somebody who worked in the kitchen all day preparing a meal for you know the Wednesday night thing that we're about to do. You say, you know what? It was work, but it was a blessing to see everything that happens as a result of it. And there are multiple examples going on. But, <clears throat> but you get the picture that we need to put Jesus first and serve others because the least is the greatest. You said, you know what? Whoever wants to be greatest among you must be the least. Whoever wants to be first has to be last. He turns everything upside down. And, and then the other thing we see is that Paul, Paul shows us to sacrifice, not only to serve, but to sacrifice so that others can know Jesus. Um, so the examples listed all... They all reflect a willingness to go to whatever links are necessary to share Jesus with others. This is, this is what he did. So, so Paul, he's, he's a Jewish guy. The Jewish guy lived with a very strict diet. No bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches. No pork chops. Um, there were many things that they didn't go around or near. They had all of these washings and cleanings and, and all of this stuff that, that, um, that really pointed to the holiness of God, but they missed it. They missed it and they made the ritual the issue rather than the God that they served. But anyway, coming in, he, he grew up with all of this. He, he knew it. <clears throat> and he was willing to eat weird food so that he could reach people with the gospel. I mean, when he was with Gentiles, he, he ate their food. Look, it, it, it would be like me eating sushi. I don't do it. I think it's the nastiest thing on the planet. I mean, I just look at it and I go, how could people even spend money on this? And he ate it and even dipped it in the weird sauce and smiled. And went on. Why? Because. And and just just fair warning. You, you think, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna get even with him. I'm gonna give him some sushi. I won't eat it because I don't have to do that to you. You've already been one. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you bring your friends who don't know Jesus. Then we'll talk. Then we'll talk.
I was in Bethel about three years ago, and we got weathered in. This is like the theme of my hunting trips. We get weathered in. Um, and, and we were looking for a place to eat. And you know what we could find to eat? Pho or pho or whatever it's called. It's like, what is this stuff? I mean, where is the food? And the guy was with, oh, this is awesome. I'm thinking, no, this is my worst nightmare. I'm stuck in a place with weird food. I mean, give me some fish, anything. But not that. Anyway, you see, Paul was willing to do whatever it took. He's necessary to go to whatever lengths it took. He, he didn't have one bullet in his gun. He had a lot. He didn't just have one way of sharing the gospel with people. He met them where they were. He was willing to go where they He didn't compromise his faith. He didn't compromise his values. He didn't compromise the gospel. He just looked at all the non-negotiables, or all the, all the he, he held on to the non-negotiables, but all the things around that, that are just preferences, he, he gave it up. For instance, if he was with Jewish people, he, he just started with their shared history. He started sharing about, you know, this is the way we grew up. These are the things we've been taught. This is, this is the truth of God's word. This is how he created us. This is our father Abraham. And this is the story of the covenants that God made with Abraham, with Moses, with David. And he began to share through the prophets and, and go on. And he would come in and then boom, he would come to Jesus and he would share with them. He had a common ground. Culturally, they, they had a common thing going on. Um, <clears throat> he followed their food laws, their ceremonial cleansings and everything, and he did it all to, bridge, to, to build a bridge so that he could share Jesus with them. That was his purpose. When he was with Greeks, he started with creation and went from there. You know, he started with the things around him, with the world around. Or maybe as in Acts 17, as you go in, he started in, he looked at all these people and all these philosophers, and he said, you know, I noticed that you're really religious people. And there's, there's, this, um, there's this statue you have here to an unknown God. I want to tell you about the unknown God. He didn't just have one thing that was stock that he just throughout he met people where they were and he knew his audience and he joined them right at their point of knowledge and understanding and took them from there to the cross that's what jesus did that's what um that that's what paul did um he associated with people that he formerly considered unclean you know, he didn't just look around and go, you know what, these are just a bunch of nasty sinners and I'm staying away from them. He didn't. He reached them where they were so that, so that, in order that, I may share with them in its blessings. I do it all for the sake of the gospel so that I might share with them in its blessings. In Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 13, the scriptures say, and now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. 
For though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all, so that I might win more of them. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. And, and so that, that's, that's the overarching thing. That's, the, that's it. He is saying, I am putting God first. I am putting Jesus first. I am putting the gospel first. And then the way that I'm doing that is giving up my freedoms. I'm serving other people. I am going to become the least. I'm going to become the slave of all. I'm going to do something that's totally counter to the way that we think and the way that that we want to put ourselves first instead I'm going to put Jesus first and, and by doing that I'm putting others first and I'm going to sacrifice so that others might know Christ and I can share in the blessings of the gospel because he has the big view <clears throat> so we come in and, and we look at things from our view and our view is Typically, you know, what's in it for me? That's kind of where we live. Um, and it's something that we have to constantly look at and constantly seek and constantly look and, and say, you know what, I want to live my life in such a way that others see that Jesus is the most important thing. I want to live my life in such a way that I can engage other people that they will not be repulsed by me, but they will be drawn to the Jesus who lives in me. I will sacrifice of my time, my talents, my treasure. I'll sacrifice of anything in order that I may share in the blessings of the gospel with the multitudes that Jesus wants to bring to himself. That's, that's why we've been put here. That's what our purpose is, is to honor and glorify God and to draw people to Jesus. That's, that's the purpose of our church. That's the purpose of any church that's, that's being biblical, is to reach people with the gospel and to build them up into maturity, to raise them up to where they in turn, go out and do the same thing for other people. <clears throat> so as we come in and look, you know, well, why are we building cars up here? You know, that's kind of a funny thing. I mean, because you already know Kenny Leaf's going to win. He always did. Um, <clears throat> he's got some secret thing to making these cars go fast. I think he's cheating. Um, <clears throat> I'm just kidding. Not really. He figured it out. Um, but... Uh, but he never shared the secret. Um, <clears throat> but why are we doing it? Because it's just a great way. It's a great way to take that thing and invite people to come in and go, hey, you know, we're doing a, a car race for kids. People like doing that stuff. It's wintertime. It's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of becoming something in our community that other people um, would come to. It's like Bethlehem. You know, people who don't go to church, they'll come to Bethlehem because it's an outdoor thing. We're in Alaska. It's wintertime. It's different. It's an all thing to all people. It's, um, you know, there, there are multiple ministries we've had in our church. I just named a couple of them, but there are a lot of them. And, and these are things that we do. So we look at it and look at how can I engage people? Think about it, look at it, and realize, you know what? I can have a lot of different tools in my belt 
And I can use those tools for the sake of the gospel. You can do it at work. You can do it in your neighborhood. You can do it at the grocery store. You can do it in many, many different places. You can do it when you eat at the restaurant, you know, just by being nice to the per- people who serve you um, and so forth, which I, I sh- I'm sure you all are. But, um, but anyway, it, there are just many, many ways. So remember the great things that God has done for you. Remember, we got to remember the great things that God has done for us. Remember our history. Remember how he's brought you. Remember and, and think about maybe in your family how, how you um, either maybe you're the first one in your family who's come to know Christ and, and, and think about what God has done there and, and the future that he offers to you. Or maybe you have a history with Christianity and following Jesus and, and, and you hold that and remember and, and say that this is important and I want to pass this on. And, and we do that by serving and we do it with others. So that's, that's where we come in and we talk about being a part of a team, being involved in a life group. It's an important thing. It's an important thing because together you can serve and do these things and encourage one another and share in the blessings of the gospel because people come to those life groups and they come to know Christ as well. That's one of the purposes. It's something to invite people who aren't in church to come and, and study the Bible. They won't come here, but they'll come to your home because they're your friend. And, and we do that, and we encourage one another. We build each other up, and then we come in and, and serve because that's what God has called us to do because that's what Jesus did. He came, and he encountered us through two simple things suffering and sacrifice and, and that's the model that's the model of jesus and you, know, you come in and go man i'm going to leave church today i mean you need to go suffer and sacrifice but i mean ultimately isn't that isn't that the model of the god we follow think about the love that he has for us unimaginable a god who would give up everything so that he could reach what really didn't amount to much of anything, and that's us, and make us into everything he created and desired for us to be. Image bearers of God, restored to the place that he desires for us, people who know Jesus, who follow Jesus, who serve Jesus, and make him known. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. Really in awe of who you are, of the magnitude of your love, and, and looking at the model that you've given to us. knowing that apart from you, it makes no sense. But knowing you brings it to clarity in our hearts and our minds, knowing that the most important thing that we could ever do is to share Jesus with the people around us, to grow in our faith and to bring others along with us so that we might be a people 
We're fully devoted to you. Father, we pray that as a church you would strengthen us, that you'd build us up, that you'd give us a heart of oneness, a heart of love for you and, and for one another. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen us and prepare us for the future that you have for us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, <clears throat> I want to challenge you to think about that. Think about how you live out the day-to-day stuff, how you view the people around you, and, and how, how are you taking the opportunities that God gives to you to serve others so that, so that you may share with them the blessings of knowing Jesus. Would you stand?